Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay, Penn State football fans, it is Ohio week for James Franklin's program, and that means it's time for John McGonigal and myself, Bob Flounders, to kind of dissect his Tuesday presser here on the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. Uh, the Lions, Johnny, they got it done in prime time uh, in West Lafayette, and now they are prohibitive favorites in their home opener. Uh, we could talk a little bit about Ohio, but I think there were some questions that Franklin fielded today, John, that the fans probably want to know a little bit more about. So I'm glad you made it back. You had it like in a little bit of an extended weekend. I know that you uh, you actually were in, I think you were in the great state of North Carolina to enjoy yourself. I'm glad you made it back. But how are you doing and how are you feeling? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was basically after that Purdue game, which of course, you know, we don't leave the press box until what, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, make that drive back to Indy. And then I'm up, you know, we're up all night writing, working and, and producing a lot of good content. And uh, my buddy's bachelor party was down in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. First time I've ever been to Asheville before. And I was a big fan. A lot of breweries, really cool, really cool little town. And uh, I was lucky enough that my buddy's brother actually lives in Indy and went to Purdue. Uh, and he picked me up uh, at the hotel and drove us down to Asheville. And he was commiserating a little bit. You know, he was upset that that Brom had passed the ball 12 times in a row in the fourth quarter, as he is, uh, you know, his right to be upset with that. But yeah, no, it was a it was a gutty win by Penn State, and uh, one that look, I mean, they, they won. That's that's all you can really ask for. Uh, you, I'm sure that there uh, there were some plays out there that Penn State players will want back. Sean Clifford specifically, that interception was one one of the worst throws I think I've seen in person. He was able to bounce back from it, and Penn State's one to zero going into this Ohio game. Yeah, uh, noon kickoff. I'm sure. The weather, hopefully the, we- the weather is going to cooperate, but I'm sure Penn State fans are eager to see this team. Johnny, well, let's just start with this because I just get the groundswell is building, man. After Drew Aller made an appearance in the Purdue game, Sean Clifford was, according to James Franklin, was dealing with cramps, uh, did not join the team coming out of uh, halftime. So Drew Aller, I think it's Aller. I don't think it's Alar. I think it's Aller, but I'm sure somebody will correct us. They designated him as the backup over Bo Prabula and Christian Veyu. Veyu, I thought, was going to be the backup, but no. Before we knew it, Johnny, he was in the game, all six foot five, 242 pounds of him. 
He completed two of four passes. He should have been three of four with a real big play to Tyler Warren. He just missed that. I think Tyler probably, if he had to do it all over again, would have tried, could have caught that. But anyway, the fan base is already talking about him. So let's just start there. James is, even though he was praising him after the game, he's he's walked it back a little. He's not really sure who the backup quarterback's going to be. That was as of Tuesday lunchtime. But Johnny, I find it hard to believe that it won't be number 15 in getting the first call if anything happens to Sean Clifford. Yeah, Drew Aller, it felt like he was having a little bit of a moment there before Sean Clifford came running back out of the tunnel, pulling his, you know, Paul Pierce in the 2008 finals, you know, jogging back out there. Yeah, Aller, he was as advertised. Again, it's one drive. You don't want to read too, too much into it. Uh, but the throw that he had to Tyler Warren that went through Tyler Warren's hands, I mean, that was a deep ball that was just over one DB's head and just in front of another. It was perfectly placed, and uh, he looked confident getting that screen out uh, to Keandre Lambert-Smith and then rolling out of the pocket, identifying the pressure off the right side, getting outside the pocket, and then finding uh, Mitchell Tinsley for that long gain as well. So uh, he had a little bit of too much zip on that fastball on the third down. And he might have wanted to scramble. You know, again, these are freshman mistakes and things that you'll you'll deal with that, right? But he's a five star kid, and he had, he showed off those five star tools uh, in a limited capacity against Purdue. So I'm sure Penn State fans would like to see more of that against Ohio. And if they get a big enough lead, I, I think you'll see it. You made a good point. That's the one thing I would say about Drew, and it's it's not it is not a criticism because that was that's quite a way to debut, right? In, in prime time in a very contentious game. And, and all of a sudden, you're the quarterback. But there were a couple of plays. He wasn't on the field very long. But had he wanted to scramble and run, Johnny, there were there were some yards for, for Drew to have. I know he's not your prototypical running quarterback. That's one thing. I'm really curious to see what Mike Yersich and James Franklin maybe said to him about that. Or, you know, because if, if they're easy yards to pick up and then just get down, maybe that's something uh, he can do moving forward. But that we're just quibbling. The arm talent is serious. He was not afraid of that moment at all. And those are two things I think that the Penn State fan base also saw. I think there's a chance we'll probably see him again, but I do think this in the in the NI in the transfer portal age, Johnny, you gotta keep all those guys kind of happy. If you want them, if you want them to be around and you want it to be a true competition, I'm not sure it is anymore. I mean, they're gonna have to probably play a couple of these guys. And this is the week, Johnny, right? Ohio week. Unless there's an injury, it's not going to be Auburn. I don't know how many opportunities they'll be in Big Ten play to take a look at multiple quarterbacks. But this sure seems to be a spot where if Penn State's up by 24 late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, it's time for Sean Clifford to seed the floor and get these guys in the game. Yeah, and look, if Sean Clifford hadn't rectified his mistake of that <laughs> and, and had an eight-play, 80-yard touchdown drive, I think we'd be having more of a conversation here. Uh, you know, look, if Pennsylvania loses that game, you know, I think I think there's more of a conversation there with Aller and, and what the future of the quarterback position is and more so about the present than it is 2023 and beyond that. But, uh, you know, again, Clifford, uh, who was the Big Ten co-offensive player of the week, by the way, Bob, uh, I'm sure you saw that. Well, he had five, five touchdowns. And so credit to him for that and for the, the final drive. But I'm sure that there were some upset Penn State fans and some Penn State fans yelling at their TV for Aller and that that won't stop especially if Aller gets in against Ohio and, you know, he did what he did, you know, prime time against Purdue, you would expect him to do well again against Ohio. You'd expect Christian Veyer to do well as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how many quarterbacks play. I'm interested to see 
the the running game and and how that those carries get split up because we did see them go you know series 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 with uh Kevon Lee, Nick Singleton, and Katron Allen. Katron Allen had a nice little run by the way there on the final drive that eight yard run that uh, opened things up a little bit for Penn State's offense. So you know solid I would say early returns for those two freshman running backs. They showed a little bit of a different gear, different. Uh, burst, and if you're a Penn State fan, and if you're James Franklin, you definitely want to see that again against Ohio. I agree, and and just to just to set the record uh, straight, Johnny, technically Sean Clifford was responsible for six touchdowns in the game, not five, and it's that one, it's that one touchdown I think that still has Penn State fans just kind of holding their breath with him as a six year player. You mentioned it was not, I mean, he had I think it was Tinsley wide open. Like wide open, Kevon Lee had just run for twelve yards. It looked like they were getting ready to take care, uh, take over the game. And if he hit Tinsley there, who knows what Penn State would have done to finish that drive? But yeah, that pick six—that's reason for some nerves when it comes to Sean. But he did—he was—he was pretty much flawless uh, on that final drive. After two drives in which he was not flawless, he got it right at the end. Yursich called, I thought, some some really nice plays. He got a lot of people involved. So yeah. You mentioned the running game, and James was kind of asked about that. You know, they're breaking in pretty much. I mean, Olu Fashano was his second start. Landed Tangwall, now at left guard. He was a tackle in high school. Sal Wormley got the start at right guard, and and they actually used Hunter Norzad quite a bit, I think, in the second half. But there were a lot of moving pieces to get that running game going. Produced by no means a great run defense, but uh, I think their long game was 12 yards. Uh, James talked about it. He said, we got to get more explosive plays uh, in the running game. That's going to be a focus. And he thought there were a couple times where they, if they could have made a guy miss, either just past the line of scrimmage or in the hole, they would have had some explosive plays. But that's going to be a focus. Sh- they should have a much better chance, I think, against Ohio. But the run game, the talent of the two freshman runners, Johnny, I think it's apparent. Their quickness, they don't go down after the initial hit. Um, they fought for some extra yards. The only thing that's really missing is maybe a couple of breakaway runs that if they start to happen for this offense, it's going to take some pressure off Clifford and those receivers. Yeah, those three running backs, Allen, Singleton, and Lee combined for 83 rushing yards, which is not what you want. You want that number to be around 150 if you're Penn State, especially while they committed to the running game early. Uh, and that was one thing that it felt like it was a real point of emphasis uh, something that Franklin was really sticking to. I mean, when Singleton came in, he ran three times in a row. And I think it was too t- It was telling – I'm sure that they already had this set. Like, all right, Kevon, you take the first drive and then Nick and then Katron. But, you know, to, to trust Nick Singleton, you know, a true freshman, to go in when he did, backed up against their own four-yard line and hand the ball three times in a row, uh, that nine-yard run right off the bat, I think kind of set the tone for what – uh, he could be, and uh, Katron Allen had a similar run as well. So, again, I think you're encouraged with what those two guys did. I think you're encouraged by Kevon Lee, um, you know, his contribution, the game-winning touchdown, and the trust that you have in a in a veteran. I say veteran in you know air quotes. I mean, the kid's a sophomore, but uh, he's, he's the older of the you know the eldest of the three. But yeah, I think I think you're still going to see a commitment to the running game against Ohio. Uh, try and you know establish that just so you have something that you know something on tape, something that you're confident in going into Auburn because uh, you know Sean Clifford has all the experience in the world, right? He's a, he's a six year guy, but uh, you don't want to be one dimensional going into a uh, an SEC road game. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and, and Kevon Lee can get that thing really rolling uh, against the Bobcats. 
So when we talk about Penn State's passing game and you look at the stats for their Purdue game, there, there is a lot to like. I mean, they had almost 200 yards after the catch. Most of that was the receivers and the tight end. Brett Strange had that huge play right before halftime where if he, if he had been tackled in play, I don't think they would have got another playoff. 67-yard touchdown right before half. That was huge. You know, Keandre Lambert-Smith caught like a four- or five-yard pass and turned it into a 29-yard touchdown. They really, really hurt Purdue, which did not tackle well, by the way. Purdue did not tackle well. But yards after the catch were a big deal in that game. And that Penn State had to go uh, against Purdue without one of their, maybe their most talented skill players in Theo Johnson. You had a chance to ask James Franklin, Johnny, about maybe Theo Johnson moving forward. And you're never really going to quite get a, I, I guess a uh, confirmed 100% yes or no answer from James when it comes to a player and his status when he doesn't play the week before. But what did you take away from maybe what he said uh, about Theo Johnson? But also, not only that, but how not having him, because he did travel, they were hopefully would play, how, how, they did, how not having him kind of hampered them a little bit. Yeah, Bobby, you know as well as I do that when it comes to injuries and James Franklin, he doesn't like to give much away. You kind of have to phrase your question uh, the right way. And so the way I phrased it was like, hey, it, you know, was there a chance that Theo Johnson would have played against Purdue? Because he traveled with a team. He was on the sidelines, but he did not suit up. Uh, the only guys that suited up at tight end were, uh, you know, Brent Strange, like you mentioned, had that touchdown. Um, we talked about Tyler Warren and then Khalil Dinkins as well. And so Theo Johnson, who – had four straight games last year with catches of 20 yards or more, had a 37-yarder against Auburn as a true freshman, you know, breakout candidate for this team and was not available. And, you know, James Franklin said, you know, they were hopeful uh, that he would play against Purdue, that, that, you know, the decision wasn't in their hands. And at this point now that they're really hoping that he'll be back sooner rather than later. So again, that's not really a, a direct answer. And, and look, they probably don't need to push it uh, for him to come back against Ohio. They, more than likely can get by without him. But at the same time, I'm sure you'd like to get him some reps before he goes down and, and faces Auburn uh, in the third game of the year. And so he's a, he's a guy that they're relying on. He has the athleticism. He has the body at six foot six, two sixty that you want in a tight end. Uh, obviously a very heralded recruit coming out of his class. And he was a top hundred, you know, 100 guy. And so, yeah, he's a part of this, you know, deep tight end group that Franklin and the coaching staff has been so confident in, uh, throughout the offseason and if he's able to get back into the mix there and uh, they can you know show you some different looks in 12 and 13 personnel that's only a good thing for Penn State's offense yeah and he did say that uh Bryce Effner who is the guy that relieved Caden Wallace I would call him an ineffective Caden Wallace by the time he relieved him Caden had some issues against Purdue at right tackle little troubling because he's a three-year starter at right tackle they're counting on him Got flagged for a holding penalty early in the game. Got beat for a sack, I believe, sometime in the second half. They turned to Efter to play down the stretch, which was telling. But Efter also was used as an extra third tight end in a couple of formations. And James said, you know, he's kind of earned that playing time. So I'm curious to see what the future holds for Bryce Efter when it comes to the Penn State offensive line. Because there were some issues with Caden in pass protection last year. He is a big, big young man. and. He can do some good things when he in the running game when he gets a chance to get his hands on somebody. But, you know, in the Michigan game against those two elite edge rushers, both he and Rasheed Walker had some trouble. And it's it's I guess it has to be a little concerning. Maybe it was just he it was the first game and he just wasn't quite, you know, it was a pretty raucous atmosphere. But I just wonder about what will Ethner's role be moving forward because 
Johnny, like you like you said, when they go to Auburn two weeks from now against a very athletic defense and a loud, loud, loud crowd, it's not going to get any easier for the offensive tackles. So I thought Olu Prashano played very well in his second start, but man, I think there is some concern about that right tackle spot. I agree. Look, Olu Fashano, I thought, did a very good job at left tackle uh, in his second career start. Now, look, you, you know, this Purdue front four is solid, right? I think they, they have some some senior guys, some older guys. There's no George Karloftis on that, <laughs> on that front four, though. And you know, for Caden Wallace, you mentioned him getting beat early in the game on that holding call. Yeah, I believe the one sack he gave up in the second half was one of the two uh, fourth quarter drives that stalled out that you know, Penn State's defense had to really step up and and hold Purdue's offense to, to give Clifford and the offense yet another chance. Uh, and that's when Efner came in and he was in for that uh, eight play ADR drive to win it. And so uh, is Efner the guy that ends up starting at right tackle against Ohio? I mean, maybe, but maybe they just stick with Caden Wallace. Uh, I, I think Caden is is a little bit more just in terms of projection wise and you know, I think he's more of a guard than he is really a tackle in terms of his body type and everything. So I don't know, maybe maybe they make a change, maybe they make a switch before they go down to Auburn. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But uh, you definitely want better protection. Clifford didn't get sacked too, too often, but I feel like he was under pressure quite a bit as well. Uh, there were a few times where he was throwing off his back foot. Uh, one or two times he could have stepped into it and he didn't. Uh, and then a couple of times he just had to throw uh, you know, off balance because of what pressure that he was under. Uh, Purdue, and again, I think you're gonna you're gonna face better pressure against Auburn, against you know Ohio State, and Jim Knowles, and what that that defense was able to do week one against Notre Dame and Michigan. So, yeah, it's still something that they got to figure out. It was a very lukewarm, uh, you know, entry for the offensive line week one. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. It's the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flounders talking about James Franklin and his Tuesday presser is in the books. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, James was very, very happy with the play of his secondary overall. Joey Porter Joyner was the coaching staff's one of the players of the game for them. James also said he got some Bednarik Award uh, recognition nationally. He had eight solo tackles, three passes defense. He should have had a pick six, couldn't hold it. He did get flagged for pass interference. He probably could have got flagged another time. But it was kind of weird to see. He's, he's, he's Penn State's field corner, right? He, he, might, he doesn't even need to break the huddle. I mean, he doesn't even need to join the huddle. He's just going to be on the wide side of the field. You know, a lot of things can happen. They kept him out there against Purdue. But they went after him a little bit. They didn't do anything different. They, he was he was targeted quite a bit, which led to all those solo tackles. But I thought it was funny, Johnny. James actually said Penn State was credited by the Purdue stats with 10 pass breakups. And by their math, it was actually closer to 16, which is even a better indication of how aggressive Penn State, I think, was with their pass coverage. Manny Diaz is an aggressive play caller on defense. I think that's the style he wants. Joey Porter is certainly an aggressive defensive player. I think Kalen King is also very aggressive. The second-year corner I thought played well. But just about everybody in that secondary uh, tracks the ball pretty well. You know about Jair Brown. Zaki Wheatley has a nose for the football. He he showed it all offseason. He had a huge play uh, right before halftime when he knocked that ball loose in the red zone that Joey Porter 
Jr. recovered, but it just seems like the mindset is a little bit different with this defensive coordinator. I think he's really encouraging them to get in people's faces, and if you get a couple of penalties, you're going to have to live with that. But I don't remember this Penn State defense being this aggressive uh, with their secondary play. It can be a boomer bust thing, Johnny, but I think that's the way you're going to have to play when you go up against some talented offenses and you need to get stops. I mean, once in a while, it's it, you're going to look bad, but if you want to get off the field against some of the quarterbacks they're going to see, I think sometimes aggressive is the way to go. Yeah, and you mentioned Joey Porter Jr. He, his pass breakups apparently were, it was actually six, not three, because there was some you know I guess uh, dispute over the Purdue uh, stats crew. So he ended up getting with six PBUs, you know, breaking up six uh, incomplete, you know forcing six incompletions. He had a great day. And they kept coming at him. It was funny, after the game, you know, we're, we're outside Penn State's locker room. We're talking to players, and uh, Joey Porter Jr. comes out, a little crowd of reporters goes around him. About, like, 30 seconds, maybe a minute later, Sean Clifford comes out. And of course, like, more than you know, 80% of the reporters go run, running over to Sean, and Sean even looks over to Joey and said, oh, I'm sorry, bud. Uh, and so I stuck, I stuck, though, with Joey Porter to talk to him for a while, he took it as a challenge them, you know, continually throwing at him. And he said, look, I basically had to step up and I did. And uh, that's, you know, I made them pay. You know, he didn't make them pay with a turnover and he, uh, he smiled and he was like, you know, I'm going to relive that one. The, the dropped interception in the first quarter that very well could have been a pick six. And so a missed opportunity there and a pass interference in the end zone, but all in all, I mean, eight tackles, six PBUs, like you will take that. Uh, absolutely. And it wasn't just him either. Like you mentioned the other guys playing I mean, Johnny Dixon, had a key sack late, a couple PBUs. And Daquan Hardy, on one of those, uh, it was uh, Purdue's drive in the, in the fourth quarter where it was a third down. You know, Hardy gets beat off the line uh, for a deep ball. O'Connell floats it a little too much, and Hardy able, uh, with his speed, to make up ground and, and uh, force a, an incompletion there, which was a really big deal. So uh, it's a confident group. And, you know, is it a group that is going to be tested all that much by Ohio? I, I don't know. Uh, is it a group that's going to be tested all that much by Auburn? I feel like Auburn is more of a ground and pound kind of that offensive line at Tank Bigsby. So um, when they have their opportunities over the next couple of weeks, you're going to have to take them. But even looking down the line against, you know, Ohio State and these kind of teams that like to throw the ball and, and get, get their guys out in space, uh, it really helps to have that mentality, not just the ability to make the play, but the mentality that you're able to do it, I think is key. Johnny, let's before we we wrap up this uh, this blue white breakdown podcast, let's talk about Penn State's true freshman class, the scholarship guys, right? Thirteen traveled, seven played in the game. Drew Aller, the running backs, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, Zane Durant, the defensive lineman, Abdul Carter, the linebacker, uh, Amari Evans got a couple uh, snaps as well. And so did deny Dennis Sutton at defensive end. James was talked a little bit about the freshmen and their impact. And he had said before the season, Johnny, that this might be their most physically ready group to make like meaningful plays for Penn state since he's been there. And this is his ninth year. He said, we're not always going to get a chance to play this many guys, but I think the more that some of these guys can get their feet, wet, the more likely Penn state is to kind of trust them as the season goes on in Big Ten play. So seven played, they traveled 13. I would think there's going to be a great chance for maybe a couple more to play maybe in the Ohio game if Penn State could get a lead in the second half. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, of that bunch, you know, obviously we talked about Drew. We talked about the running backs. Did anything jump out at you with the freshmen? And is there maybe one or two freshmen 
that you're excited to see play that we haven't seen yet? So I think the one is Abdul Carter because, look, he came on, he had one play on special teams against Purdue, and then on his first defensive snap, he picks up a targeting penalty, which you know Franklin uh, had a, you know, took a little bit of an issue with in his postgame press conference, and uh, it was kind of a you know it, it felt like you know a freshman trying to make a little too much of a play there, but an unfortunate uh, debut for him to to be ejected from the game so early. But uh, I expect to see him a lot at linebacker, and the fact that he was playing that early in that game. A linebacker is a position of concern for this team. And, uh, you know, I do think Abdul Carter is going to have a role to play uh, moving forward. So that's one to keep an eye on, uh, you know, a freshman who didn't get to really make the debut that he would want to, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if he sees a lot of reps against Ohio. We talked a lot about the running backs already. Uh, Dennis Sutton is, is one, again, off the edge that if they if they don't get the pe- kind of pass rush that they want from their older guys, I think you're going to see more reps for him and other guys as well off that edge because, I think it, it improved over over time in that Purdue game in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were able to uh, get to Aiden O'Connell a little bit more and force the ball out a little sooner. But uh, I think you'd like to see more out of Penn State's pass rush overall and uh, maybe deny Dennis Sutton as a guy who can grow into that role and help them in that regard. Yeah, I'm with you. He's the guy that I think that intrigues me the most. You look at what Penn State did with their defensive end rotation, you know, Nick Tarburton. I think you pretty much know what you're going to get from Nick. Deist Isaac. You know, first came back from the Achilles injury. It might take a little bit more time for him to get going, but they really do believe in him. He was one of the top recruits in the 19 class. Chop Robinson, when they absolutely needed to get 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 some pressure, I think it was it might have been the last snap of the game. Uh, he just destroyed that right tackle off the edge and really ended that play. The play had no chance. And uh, Amin Vanover even did some nice things. James Franklin singled him out for a hustle play where he. He went about 25 yards down the field and might have saved a touchdown with his hustle to make a tackle. It is a talented group. Deny Dennis Sutton is is an intriguing guy for me moving forward. I would like to see him get a couple of series against Ohio, especially in a game where Penn State's up three scores and you know Ohio's going to throw the ball. Let's see. The more reps he gets, he was an August arrival. He was not a January enrollee. The more reps he gets, Johnny, I think you're going to see him really start to catch up and catch on quickly. Just the big thing with Ohio, right? We're going to see a lot more guys this game. We're going to see, again, as long as everything goes to plan uh, for Penn State, we, we know what happened 10 years ago when Penn State played Ohio at home, uh, you know, their home opener. So as long as something like that doesn't happen, as long as this thing is out of reach early, then you're going to see a lot of guys play. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think Penn State Open is about a 24-point favorite, but every game's kind of different. And this is a game where it's, if, you know, the, the big emotional effort against Purdue you know, you got another road game at Auburn two weeks away. So this is one of those games where you can kind of look past it a little bit. And hopefully Penn State won't do that, but you just don't know. So before we wrap this up, Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flounders. Hey, so Penn State fans, when we post stuff on Penn Live, whether it's Johnny, myself, David Jones, Joe Hermit, anything about Penn State football, check out the tag we have near the bottom of our stories. It goes something like this. If you think you know Penn State football, Play the Penn Live Prop Bet Showdown for this week's Penn State-Ohio game for a chance to win prizes. And we're talking about cash prizes, I believe. Hopefully we are, or else I'm going to get yelled at by my boss. But I think they are. Anyway, you can click here. You go to PennLive.com, Prop Bet Showdown, dash PennLive.com. Look for that tag, that link near the bottom of all of our stories this week. And I think that's a contest that's going to continue throughout the Penn State football season. There are, I think, our weekly prizes where you have to answer 10 prop questions. If you, the one that gets them the most right or gets all of them right, 
you win something. And I think they keep score. They do something at the end of the year where you can win even more money. You got nothing to lose, Penn State fans. You're probably going to get more prop bet questions right than either myself or Johnny because we're too focused writing about the Ohio Bobcats and the Penn State Nittany Lions. New kick Saturday. Johnny, I know you're looking forward to it. You're a guy that's been on the Penn State beat before. You know Beaver Stadium and State College well. Uh, I'm sure you're, gonna, you're looking forward to your first home game back. I really am. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good to get back into town and uh, get back in that press box and uh, see if it see if it starts shaking like it it always does. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for first game back at Beaver Stadium, Bob. Yeah, I'm super psyched you survived your bachelor party weekend. I was a little nervous when you told me what the schedule was. I'm not going to reveal what was involved, but anytime it's a warm it's a warm weekend in North Carolina, it's a lot of breweries. I'm like, all right. Hopefully I'll see Johnny on Tuesday, but if not, you know, I'm prepared for the worst. And I got the best, though. I got the best. You look hale and hearty, so to me, that's a win. Absolutely. And I didn't play terrible golf either, which was nice. We went out and, and played around on Saturday, and I didn't play terrible because uh, I thought I was going to. Uh, check out our Blue White Breakdown podcast later in the week. I'll be teaming up with the one and only David Jones, and Johnny's going to do another one with Dustin Hawkinsmith. They're going to be available Pretty much every day, but the longer ones, I think we're doing at least three each week. Lots to talk about. Penn State's 1-0. They better be 2-0. We had a couple of days going into Auburn, but we'll get to that uh, as it comes. So that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. We will talk to you guys later in the week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Live.